You are listening to the Unstoppable Mind podcast with your Southwest Virginia realtor, Lauren L. Fit, episode seven. So today it did not go quite as planned. I wanted this podcast to be an interview with my broker, my real estate broker, but he hurt his back. <laughs> and that's not funny. He hurt his back and he's not able to sit for a long period of time. He has a good sense of humor about it. Um, but we're just going to postpone that probably till next week when he's feeling a little bit better. We can sit down for an hour and chat. Um, but I have had so many ideas floating around in my head. I constantly am jotting down podcast ideas. So I had no shortage of content to put out for you guys today. I'm currently in the middle of reading a book called The Gap and the Gain by Dan Sullivan. And it was recommended to me, I think, by Jody Moore, who I found through Brooke Castillo's Life Coach School podcast. And it's a phenomenal book. It's called The Gap and the Gain, um, The High Achiever's Guide to Happiness, Confidence, and Success. And the whole book is about when you compare yourself to other people, or to what your goal is, where you would like to be, you're living in the gap, the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And a lot of times this leads to negativity or feelings of inadequacy. It can cause negative feelings. It can cause us to feel like we aren't as blessed as we truly are, or that we're needing something that we don't have versus the gain is comparing yourself to where you started or where you used to be. And the difference is that you're in celebration. You're celebrating the gain of where you started versus where you are and how far you've come. You're celebrating the progress. You're focusing on the progress. You're focusing on the growth that you have achieved rather than the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And the whole entire book is about just that, the gap and the gain. It's a little repetitive. It's a little tedious in the in the content that's in the book, but there's so many different examples that just give you a little taste of something you hadn't thought about before. And so I want to share some of the studies and some of the examples and stories that are in that book because they're so simple, but they are so powerful. Um, and it's funny, while I was reading this book, there was there was a quote that was in the book that was talking about how our language creates our reality and the words that we choose to speak create our reality. Words are very powerful. And it's so funny, the more self growth you do, no matter who you listen to, you could listen to five completely different people than my top five mentors or podcasts that I listen to but you'll hear the same thing. You'll hear the same things repeated over and over. You'll hear that comparison kills joy. You'll hear that language creates your reality. You will hear that playing a victim of your own life will never ever serve you and you have the ability to overcome it. It's so funny. You hear the same things over and over by different people studying different things. It's so cool to me because it's like, People who have spent decades just growing themselves and trying to find out how to be the best version of themselves that they can for themselves, for their family, for society, they're all coming to the same conclusions. And I think that really tells us something. 
And I was listening to Ed Milet yesterday, and he explicitly said in his podcast, he said, your language creates your reality. It's not the other way around. You don't use language to describe your reality. The words that you speak are actually creating it. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And then just 24 hours later to read a book that has nothing to do with Ed Milet. And then it says the exact same thing. It was just so cool. And I keep coming across that more and more. Um, the more people I listen to and the more content that I study and think about, it's like we're all coming to the same conclusions. I think it's really cool. I think people that spend their lives just trying to grow themselves and better themselves and coming to these insanely powerful conclusions to help other people in their self-growth journeys, it's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful process. And I love it. So... I'm going to go ahead and dive into some of the examples and stories from the book, The Gap and the Gain. Um, the first one has to do with just the power of positivity, the power of positive thinking, and the power of negative thinking. They did a study on nuns, and the study was to show whether or not positive versus negative thinking affects your lifespan, how long you, you live. And they determined that negative thoughts on average, like chronic negative thoughts, waking up every day with negativity, going throughout your whole life with lots of negativity, can take up to 10 years off of your life. And I absolutely believe that because I know how powerful positive feelings are. And the study that they did with nuns, they... Um, gave the nuns journals and they told them to write in the journals every day when they were 20 years old. And then they were able to go back to all of those same people from the study once they were 85 years old. And they found that of the nuns who journaled positively every day or journaled gratitude, positive thinking, um, positive experiences, 90% of them we're still happy and alive at age 85. Of the group of journalers who had either neutral or negative thoughts in their journal or complaining or negative experiences, only 34% of that group was still alive at age 85. That is a huge discrepancy. 90% of the happy nuns were alive and well at 85 and 34% of the negative ones were alive at 85. So I think that just that alone speaks volumes to what negative thinking can do to you. I mean, it suppresses your immune system. You're much more likely to get sick often. You're also much more likely to have a hard time recovering. So that was another study that was in the book is they somehow injected like the flu or some kind of virus in a handful of participants, half of which were very negative people and half of which were very positive people. And the positive people were able to not only fight the virus much faster, but their symptoms were significantly less intense than the group of negative people with the exact same virus. And I believe this. I mean, you can see this every day. Unhappy people are more likely to call sick out of work up to like 30 days a year or something like that. And that blew my mind. I mean, of course, I'm, I'm a business owner, so I get to run my own schedule. I don't have to take sick days. But even when I like today, 
I don't think I've taken a true sick day. I might've taken one in the last two years where I just really wasn't feeling well and I stayed home. Oh yes, I did. And then when I was working at the gym, I might've had to cancel my appointments twice in a year, like two days out of the year. And I do consider myself a very happy and positive person the majority of the time. And it's something that I, I truly work on and want to work on. So I just thought that was so crazy. The more I think about it, the people who are chronically sick, or it seems like when they get sick, they can't get better are usually the people that have a hard time finding the joy, finding gratitude, expressing positivity, spreading love, things like that. So if you find that your immune system's not very good or you get sick all the time, of course we wanna take external steps to improve our health, like eating better, exercising. But I think even just a small change internally can make a humongous difference. And not only that, but what we believe about ourselves again, turns into our reality. Our language creates our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. The placebo effect is actually proof that what we believe and think creates our results. And if you're, I think most people have probably heard of a placebo or the placebo effect, but for those who haven't, we can put it into the example of like a scientific experiment. If we're doing a a weight loss experiment and we have some kind of diet pill, that we're testing. And group A gets uh, one form of the diet pill, group B gets another form of the diet pill, and group C gets a diet pill, but it's a placebo, meaning there's nothing in it. It's just, you know, a sugar pill or, you know, nothing. It's nothing. It's not supposed to do anything. But all three groups are told they've been given this diet pill. These are the results that should happen. They should lose two pounds a week without changing anything, whatever else. At the end of that study, a lot of times the placebo group will actually see real results comparable to the groups that actually had the diet pill. And I'm making up an experiment here, but you could do this with any kind of experiment where you needed a placebo group. The, the thing is group C who got the placebo pill didn't know they were getting a placebo pill. They truly believed they were getting a diet pill that would help them lose two pounds a week. Therefore, they ended up losing two pounds a week. And the key here is that they believed it was a diet pill. And I think that is so important and so key in our lives. We can't walk around stating mantras that we don't actually believe, but we're told if we repeat these positive things that they will come true. And that's only half of it. You have to actually believe what you're saying. If you believe that you are a fit person, then you will carry yourself so differently than someone who considers themselves unhealthy. But now that we're talking about weight loss, when it comes to weight loss, if your goal is to lose weight, I don't think it's helpful to focus on I want to lose weight. I wish I could lose weight. I want to be fit. I wish I was healthier. I think those thoughts hurt our feelings. I don't think they feel good. I think we're living in the gap. We're living in what we want versus what we have. And instead, if you can start with the small wins, you're going to go so much further without even having to change anything externally. So if you can find examples of how you already are fit, then you start believing you're fit. And that can actually help you become fit. It's a placebo effect in a way.
So let's say your goal is to lose weight and we're going to find examples of how you're already fit. Okay. Well, do you drink water every day? That's a sign of being fit. Do you make sure you hit your step goal for the day? Do you cook any meals at home? You just have to start small. It doesn't have to be, I go to the gym every single day. I drink a gallon of water and I meal prep every day. You don't have to do that. You don't have to strive for perfection and you don't have to think because you don't do all of those things that you are unhealthy. You just have to find the ways you already are fit and healthy and you will start carrying yourself differently. You will start portraying someone who is fit and healthy and therefore your actions are going to naturally follow. You don't have to force yourself to do things. And I think that's way more effective to change from the inside out than trying to change from the outside in. And what that would look like with weight loss specifically is you don't address any of your negative thoughts. You don't address any of your body image issues. You don't address any of the feelings that you can't seem to process and therefore turn to food. All you do is start going to the gym and changing your eating. I actually think that's going to be a much harder and slower process than starting in and working out. Because even if you see results, even if you lose all the weight that you want to lose, you haven't addressed the real problem, which is your mind and your thoughts and what you think about yourself. And so even when you get down to this weight that you want to be, if you haven't addressed your eating problems or your recurring thought patterns that are very negative about yourself, it's going to be a cycle that happens again. Versus if we can just start on the inside and then let the external activities, factors, and hobbies change themselves or change along the way, I think we're going to see results that last a lifetime. Wow. That was a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where I was at. I wanted to give some more examples from the book, The Gap in the Gain. Um, and that's one thing I just love about recording these episodes is I have a couple of talking points, but I never really know what <laughs> what's going to come out of my mouth or what I'm going to say. And it's really fun. Like we can just go on a tangent and sometimes the best content comes from tangents you didn't plan. So I'm just letting it happen. Originally, I wanted these episodes to be quick, like 10 minutes, but if they stretch out to 20, 25 minutes, I'm okay with that. So I'm just going to let it roll and we're going to keep going with some examples from this book. So the author of the book gave an example of his son and daughter, and they are very, very young. One's a toddler and one's maybe five or six. And his daughter, who's two or three years old, wanted to play with spoons. So she had no spoons. Her dad gave her all of the kitchen spoons, all six spoons, and she got them. And then her brother came and took one spoon. So he had one, she had five. And she threw a temper tantrum that she couldn't get over. Now, of course, we're talking about a two or three-year-old. So that's going to happen. That's natural. Um, they're a toddler. But if you look at what happened, she went from having zero spoons to five spoons. And all she could see is that she was entitled to six spoons and she wasn't going to be happy unless she had six, even though she's at a 500 or I'm sorry, a 500% increase of spoons from zero. Now she has five. That would be living in the gain. You have five and you had zero, but she's living in the gap. She wants six and she has five, even though she had zero. And I thought that was such a good example of how we as adults sometimes 
act like toddlers. And I think we can probably put our heads together and think of a couple examples of where we had nothing and we got something, but we felt like we were entitled to more. And even though we had more than we started with, we're not even close to being happy. All we can focus on is what we didn't get. And this reminds me a lot of some real estate deals. Um, one of my mentors in real estate very early on planted a seed in my head. She said, sometimes you're going to have to cut your commission to make a deal happen. But the way I see it, I would rather cut my commission in half and make the deal happen than not get any commission at all. And it's so true. Some of us feel so entitled to the full commission or the full amount or the maximum of what we could possibly get that we won't we won't even be happy with what we could get. And I'm not saying that you should let people push you around and cut your commission when you don't need to and let people take advantage of you. But I'm saying when you get something that you didn't have before, if all you can think about is what is how much more you should have gotten, you're living in that gap. And I think your life will be transformed if you can stop and be appreciative and grateful for what you do have for the five spoons, not the one spoon that somebody took away from you. Um, another example that he used of his kids, they were at a restaurant and they got one cookie and they split the cookie into four and everybody got a piece and his son was eating it. And while he was eating it, he was so upset that he got the smallest piece and he's so upset that he got the smallest piece. He didn't even enjoy the cookie. He didn't enjoy the experience at all. He didn't get to celebrate the fact that he got a cookie or that he had a delicious chocolate chip cookie in his mouth. He didn't get to appreciate that he got dessert or that he got to share dessert with his family. He was just so upset that he got the smallest bite. And how many of us do this with similar things in our lives? It's like we, again, we just feel entitled that everything should be fair. And let me tell you what, <laughs> I'll save you a lot of suffering just accept that life's not fair. Life is never going to be fair. And that's okay. You can work through anything that happens and you can still be appreciative for what you do get. I think practicing gratitude is one of the best things we can do to help ourselves feel better about our lives and feel positive about our lives. And gratitude is the opposite of negativity. You cannot have both. You can't be feeling grateful for what you have and feel negative at the same time. So the more you practice gratitude, the less negative you're going to feel, period. It's just going to happen naturally. So practice your gratitude and remember that just because you feel entitled to something or entitled to something more, and whether you deserve it or not, whether you should have gotten it or not, it doesn't matter. You have to accept the reality of what is and just be appreciative with what you have. And the last thing that I just want to end with is something I already mentioned in the beginning, but comparison kills joy. Comparing ourselves to somebody else or some kind of external factor is almost always going to cause us to feel something negative um, that more often than not is going to stop action, not start it not motivate us or inspire us to do something. And this is so important because some of us compare without even realizing it. And it's, it's not fair to ourselves. You can't compare, let's say you own a business. You can't compare yourself three years into a business to where someone else is at five years. 
it's it it doesn't matter what somebody else has done in five years because the reality is what they've done in five years you can do in one year you could do it in 10 years you could do it in 20 years it doesn't matter everybody's path looks different and what works for one person isn't going to work for everybody else i think we all have our own path we all have our strengths and things that we enjoy doing and opportunities that are unique to us and just I think it's important to learn from people who are more successful than us or are, who are doing something we want to be able to do, but realizing that their roadmap to get there is not our roadmap. And it, it doesn't ever help you to compare externally to someone else. The only thing you should be comparing or measuring is your own gain. Where did you start and where are you today? And what in between is worth celebrating? Because there's always going to be something. There's always something that you can look back and say, you know what? I've actually worked really hard this year and I'm proud of that. Or I wrote a book last year and even though I wanted to write it in six months and it took me 13 months, I got it done. That's worth celebrating. Who cares if it took you six months or 13 months? You did it and you made a little bit of progress every day and that's how it happened. So this is your reminder to live in the gain. Do not spend your time in the gap. Do not spend your time comparing. Spend your time motivating and inspiring yourself by what you've already done and take a look at your own gain. Have a great Monday, guys, and I'll see you next week.